Welcome to Secu Solutions, Ion Security, the podcast series where we cover topics from the boardroom to the cloud and all points in between. I'm Jim Kutnikoff, President, CEO, and founder of Secu Solutions. Our guest today is Stuart Smith. Stuart is the Chief Technology Officer at Keyworks, headquartered here in Calgary, Canada. Welcome to the show, Stuart. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Great to be here and uh, looking forward to our chat today. Right on, right on. So, Stuart, perhaps uh, we can start by asking you to give our listeners a brief overview of your company and the value you bring to, to the market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keyworks has been providing information security-related services to the Calgary market initially since 2014. After decades of leadership roles in a large enterprise and publicly traded companies, my partners and I thought it would make a lot of sense to bring our knowledge and experience to support business. Uh, we initially started by offering pen testing and vulnerability assessments to the Calgary market, but have really evolved our practice to focus more on strategy, including governance and compliance, helping clients evolve their appropriate cybersecurity posture for their business. My partners and I all grew up in the telecom space, and we have a very strong broadband network engineering practice as well. And in 2015, we launched Keyworks in Australia, which was quite exciting and have provided both cybersecurity and network engineering services to that market. It was not intentional. However, both our services have managed to evolve together into a bit of a Mm -hmm. hybrid. And so we offer both of our practices to clients, which has really been great. Right on, right on. And I I hear uh, you might have a a bit of a, uh, hard to call it a side business, but a, maybe a, a newfound direction or a, or another direction, alternative direction that you're you're yeah, working on right now. Absolutely, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, so we we've been working actually since the be- the pandemic began. Uh, we took the opportunity to be more inward focusing, and we've always been a services company uh, right from the, the day we started, but. Uh, we've always really had a desire to become a product-based company. So we're taking our learnings and we're in the process of launching a new company uh, called Bluespoint, which will actually formally be announced next week publicly. Uh, and Bluespoint will be focusing on real-time compliance management. So the Ooh, timing could be better for us to okay. be chatting with you today. Right on. Well, we'll be definitely sure to follow up with you on on that company, your guys' progress, because uh, that's an area that's in, in high demand and great need. And hopefully you guys can fill that need and and, uh, and knock it out of the park. All right. Well, thanks, Stuart. I appreciate the, the summary. Let's jump right in. Uh, I've got a lot of questions for you, uh, hoping that you can answer. Our podcast is focused on security compliance today, and I'm going to try to keep all of the questions on that topic. So, The dictionary definition, I looked this up, the dictionary definition of the word compliance is the action or fact of complying with a wish or command. And I think the real definition of the word in IT could be defined as a word that's usually followed by confusion, panic and cost. (laughs) And naturally, you know, I'm joking about this, but it seems that most companies dread that word and struggle with implementing or following compliance when they have to. And they have to do that a lot these days, specifically in the security space. So the question I have for you um, would be perhaps that you can shed some light on the word security compliance and how it has worked its way into the companies and shaped the way business is conducted today. Uh, And a bonus question there, which body of our organizations develop compliance standards? Like where does this stuff come from? Uh, Maybe you can answer that for us, please. 
Great question, Jim. Um, and uh, I'll always love the bonus question. Uh, hopefully that gets you. Don't, me to you don't get any money. No, you don't get any money for that. Great on, on the bonus question. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When I started my IT career a very, very long time ago, <laughs> Jim, security was mostly an afterthought. And where written procedures and policies were, were applied at an operational level, uh, some system functionalities prevented access to files or systems. But compliance really came came to the validation of the who had access to what on the network and was very rarely uh, reviewed by auditors. And even when it was audited, those auditors were financial auditors, almost checking a box on a, on a bit of a, a checklist there. The network was obviously not as expansive as it is today in terms of connectivity. Now we have front-end web presence, mobile. Uh, certainly data privacy is a, is a more of a growing concern. And so audit and technology processes were very light back in the day um, as things kind of were light in terms of the systems not being connected. Um, really, what I saw things change in my career was in 2002 when Sarbanes-Oxley was introduced by the U.S. Congress. And that bill was enacted to uh, essentially uh, reduce the amount of major corporate uh, accounting scandals. Uh, with publicly traded companies. There was a number of companies that uh, fraud uh, was committed actually by the owners. And as a result of that, a whole new level of compliance requirements were introduced and formally passed as a bill by the U.S. Congress. So SOX was born uh, back then. And then not too far after that, uh, 2004, the payment card industry, Visa and MasterCard, brought things to the next level in terms of mandating more rigorous controls to combat fraud uh, in their financial sector. So PCI was born back then, and certainly more and more frameworks have been introduced uh, since then. Right, right. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, I do recall a couple uh, large accounting firms getting, you know, exposed, for lack of a better word, uh, so, in relation so to, to on, that. Sorry, to take on your bonus question, um, a lot of times uh, your bonus question, I think you asked, uh, which organizations or which body uh, develop compliance standards. A lot of times it's driven by industry, uh, certainly by government as well. Um, some of you may be familiar with the National Inst Institute of Standards and Technology, so the NIST framework. Uh, that's been uh, very heavily adopted in North America. Um, it's really uh, a lot of stakeholders, government, industry, academia, and supported by the U.S. Department of Commerce. Uh, the other big one you may have heard more recently and a lot of more North American companies are adopting is GDPR. So it really was born in the European Union and it stands for General Data Protection Regulation. And so these government regulations such as NIST and GDPR have really set the stage for elevating uh, compliance uh, and governance within publicly traded companies, but also companies that are storing data uh, and have some accountability uh, for privacy. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. The GDPR um, was was one I think that everybody, you know, whether they wanted to or not, um, learned to understand, you know, what it was about, where it came from, by virtue of the fact that except all cookies, you know, that warning on the browser popped up on everybody's browser. It seemed in a matter of months. And so that's where we know that, you know, stemmed from uh, certainly, a, um, you know, a standard that's changing the shape of the um, the market, so to speak. And, and um, 
we could talk about this a little bit later, but uh, we do also uh, recognize that GDPR comes with a, a fairly hefty fine. It's it's not really an option, which a lot of you know uh, compliances are, um, but uh, GDPR comes with a walloping fine if you happen to you know color outside the line, so to speak. Absolutely, as these uh, standards and frameworks have evolved, um, they have a lot of rigorous teeth put into them as well. Uh, in the case of socks, for example, a company can be delisted from the stock exchange if they don't uh, meet the compliance requirements. Uh, with payment card PCI, payment card industry, um, you know, for a business to not accept Visa or MasterCard, that's a pretty big deal. So a lot of these uh, these compliance frameworks, just like GDPR, have some pretty big teeth. And, and that's where you're seeing the government backing and, and really ensuring that we've raised the bar on on our levels of compliance and and how serious we're, we're taking this within our business within our yes. industry right yeah. on yeah we we discussed this uh uh with another guest i think uh, in relation to you know the the market the security market you know what's driving what is the driving force and one of the factors is compliance without a doubt right you know it's where once uh things might have been an, an option uh are not so much an option anymore if either you comply or you get fined yeah it's a very uh real thing so on the topic of compliance standards um there are dozens um you know hipaa sarbanes-oxley iso nist as you mentioned pci etc etc what are some of the other it compliance standards that company might face and um, if possible, could you give our listeners a brief definition of each, some of the mainstream ones that, you know, maybe our listeners would uh, have? Yeah, to deal with? I mean, when you start researching into, you know, hey, you know, which which compliance uh, framework or standard are we going to uh, leverage as our and embrace as a company? Uh, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But uh, there's a long list of options. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's mandated uh, we touched on, for example, we already touched on SOX. If you're publicly traded in the U.S., you have to meet SOX standards. If you're accepting payment cards, you have to be PCI certified uh, on a semi-annual basis. Uh, some of the other ones, uh, you know, the Center for Internet Security, CIS, that's a popular framework. Uh, COBIT, uh, Control Objectives for Information and Related Technologies. Um uh, you mentioned HIPAA in your question, so the health insurance portability and accountability. All of these standards are um, really designed uh, from one uh, aspect or another to protect data privacy, uh, to protect uh, consumers, uh, and as well to ensure that our infrastructures in terms of industry like banking and telecom and, and others, uh, transportation are safe and secure. We've all read the headlines recently about uh, I think the big one, uh, actually, Joe Biden recently held a, a a major conference on cybersecurity at the White House after the Colonial Pipeline uh, breach and compromise. Uh, so we're seeing more and more of these standards being introduced. Um, and there's a bit of a level of complexity there because in some cases you may have to uh, achieve multiple compliance standards. So mm-hmm. you might be a publicly traded company, SOX, that, that takes in Visa or MasterCard online, PCI. And then you have another cybersecurity framework like ISO, 
um, or also um, in the case of NIST, which I mentioned earlier. In the yes. case of ISO, International Standards Organization, uh, they really were born out of manufacturing and best practices in terms of logistics and supply chain. And so they went and launched ISO 27001 uh, to address cybersecurity. So um, as you're navigating all of these, and there's a long list, long as my arm, uh, of these frameworks, uh, there starts to be some complexity as you, you may have to adopt many of them at the same time. And I all think right. we're a little bit more about that in, in a bit. Yeah, for certain. Thank you for that, Stuart. Um, so I guess, you know, in relation to compliance uh, audits per se, um, most rollouts, even if it's a new product or a solution, uh, there are many things to consider, um, you know, in terms of, of getting the job done, if you will. Uh, what are some of the challenges uh, of, of implementing a security compliance program? What kind of challenges can that, that, that bring and, and the companies face? You really have to start in a place where you have a clear understanding of uh, your objectives as a company. Um, you know, we've, we've touched on PCI several times, but it's a real good one. Um, you're not going to accept those products and leverage those products for your business if you're not going to meet the compliance. But in, in the case of your posture, your cybersecurity posture, you want to have a framework that is adaptable to your own business needs your priorities and your strategy as a company, as an organization. And so you can go, I remember kind of being involved in some earlier on projects around SOX, where we, you know, we received the requirements for Sarbanes-Oxley and it was a spreadsheet kind of as tall as I am in terms of, uh, you know, line items in the spreadsheet and and the amount of controls that we had to meet. I think the, the real uh, uh, sweet spot for this is, you kind of have to find the posture that you're you're most comfortable with, and you can really take these controls and mechanisms to the, the most nth degree in terms of bureaucracy and process and and procedures. And you don't want to slow your business down, but at the same time, you want to you want to protect uh, the, the crown jewels of the company and and the IP and and your consumers' uh, privacy and data. And so you know, there's really a a real process to kind of find the right place to be standing in terms of where you want to implement your governance and compliance program. Right, right on. Yeah, we uh, were currently conducting um, a NIST 853 uh, compliance uh, with the company. And, uh, you know, I saw the list, the checklist firsthand, and it's it's massive. I mean, it, it can really, as you say, if you take that to the to the nth degree, I mean, it could really slow the company down. And I guess, you know, it it it, it is what it is. It's a guide um, used to um, you know help prepare a company for compliance. Uh, yeah. Off, yeah. Check off if you it can be over. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so what we're seeing now is a bit more of a a shift in that. Um, whereas you know the traditional IT organization was uh, pushing back on those frameworks and those controls. Um, we're now seeing more and more where these are part of a, a larger change management uh, implementation within the organization. It's cultural, it's uh, part of our job functions, it's core to everything we're doing. And that really is a game changer in terms of adopting these, these frameworks uh, because it brings uh, the requirements front and center 
and integrates them at the time of a, of a product's uh, conception and uh, delivery to ensure that those best practices are implemented as you go with, uh, with deploying your new tech or whatever product, application, service, whatever it may be. Mm. Right. All right. Well, um, you know, again, on the on the topic of compliance, implementing a compliance standard can be a costly, challenging and, and a daunting task. Um, there's got to be some benefits of doing so. Um, can you describe kind of what some of these benefits might be um, or, you know, that a standard uh, compliance, um, you know, uh, compliance um, standardization or uh, becoming compliant can bring to the company? What are the some of the benefits to the company or its consumers? Yeah, no, that's a great question, uh, Jim. And so what we're seeing is, well, first and foremost, an improved security posture. I mean, all companies, you know, no one wants to be that company uh, listed on the front page news of, of a data breach. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, now uh, in, in a lot of cases and in a lot of jurisdictions, officers of a company are are personally liable for uh, for breaches and 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 uh, privacy violations. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, that's an important measure and, and component of this. Um I'm also seeing a shift in how the insurance industry is looking at cybersecurity and and uh, requirements of compliance in terms of uh, incorporating that into their policies. Um, you know, we may see a shift where you know we've all seen the commercials uh, for car insurance where you know a good driver uh, has yeah. a has a bigger break on on their insurance uh, costs. Um, so the better your driving record is, uh, the cheaper your insurance is going to be. I think you're going to see a shift in that space in terms of company liabilities uh, from insurance providers. Certainly when we recently renewed our insurance uh, for the first time, uh, I think there was three or four pages just asking us specific questions about our cybersecurity posture, the tools and the, uh, the, the systems and controls we have in place uh, things like encryption and uh, and others, and they're all part of your typical uh, controls within a framework. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the frameworks that we've discussed have fairly detailed and in-depth levels. So I would say improve cybersecurity posture, but also uh, more uh, assurance to our consumers, our customers around privacy and data protection. Right. Those, those would be the, the biggest benefits uh, I would see out of uh, achieving compliance on any of the frameworks. Right, right. Well, thanks very much for sir. I'm, um, you know, I think that optically speaking, um, as you mentioned, consumers, um, privacy, things like that. So, uh, what about, let's say, uh, uh, a supplier wanting to do business with a, you know, with a, with a company? Um, you know, there they have a, a certification, whether it's ISO, whether it's NIST, whether it's some other certification, and then there's one that doesn't. You know, probably um, stand a reason that the company that is certified would probably do a little better in in their negotiation or their the probability of getting that that company's business and then the the supplier that didn't have that certification is that a fair a fair well, statement? Absolutely, yeah. That's just another lever that uh, that we'll see that you'll see uh, as you're doing business. A lot of companies have now uh, embraced the supply chain methodologies. A lot of those methodologies are born out of best practices, just very similar to uh, cybersecurity or compliance frameworks are. 
Um, most uh, organizations in one way or another have a, a series of levers that, you know, they have to achieve uh, those those requirements. And yes, right on. I mean, we've we've uh, participated in RFPs and, you know, requests for quotes where uh, cybersecurity is front and center. So we're seeing that more and more. And that's really the shift that we, we talked about earlier. Uh, it's becoming uh, table stakes for uh, everything we're doing in terms of business and uh, and how we're you know negotiating our contracts and dealing with the legal terms and conditions. Uh, it's really kind of bubbled its way up to the forefront of all aspects of our of our businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you for that. So you know, Stuart, um, for most companies, uh, I think yeah, money is near and dear. Um, creating a budget for uh, any project um, you know needs to be planned out, thought out, you know in advanced uh, and budgeted for. So aside from being time consuming, um, implementing compliance can be an expensive task, right? Um, What are some of the ways companies can prepare to reduce that cost of going through that process of becoming compliant? Yeah, that's a good question, Jim. Um, You know, I would say first and foremost, uh, embrace uh, some of the the technologies that that are out there and available in the market. Uh, I don't really get into naming uh, naming such mm-hmm. technologies, but you know you can. There's some real advanced process workflow technologies that you know in the old days we'd be in large groups of people at corporate head office in meeting rooms trying to figure out how to implement you know one control <laughs> or achieve one one aspect of a of a control uh, framework. So um, you know it's something like uh, uh, you know password. Password uh, per, uh, changes every every mm-hmm. 30 days. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, was a hard and, and complicated change across. You know, you think of a large enterprise could have hundreds and hundreds of applications and systems and infrastructure devices. So um, those were big uh, big changes uh, and all done manually. So I would say embrace uh, the tech uh, out there in terms of process workflow. Certainly around automation, there's a, a lot of different now. Uh, platforms now that kind of manage all your your access controls uh, within your your infrastructure so you can implement a set of rules in one place and and have it automated and populated out to multiple areas within your infrastructure Uh, a lot of the large vendors uh, now have that capability so um, you know take advantage of those automations and those workflows also uh, there's a real obviously emergence of data uh, to uh, insights from across the organization. So, um, you know, for me, the best uh, the best security postures are where, um, you know, there's reporting and metrics uh, covering different areas within the organization on how we're we're achieving our our compliance frameworks, our controls, our compensating controls, and then shining lights in in the areas where you know maybe we don't typically look. Well, that's generally where breaches occur and where a lot of risk occurs is out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. So leveraging data uh, uh, to uh, help achieve these goals uh, is a is a big part, I think, of of, uh, of the emerging way to uh, ensure compliance across the board. Uh, there mm-hmm. are a number of technologies out there that automate and and manage uh, your framework and your controls, but it's the kind of ensuring that uh, that your teams your 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 people, uh, all the processes 
within your organization are are actually following what we said we're going to do in the documentation. And so those policy management platforms allow for this to happen. Um, and so, yeah, the validation process becomes a little easier uh, than it was in the older day in the old days and today. Right. Yeah. yeah. Your last point specifically, uh, you know, rang a bell for me um, historically when dealing with compliance um, rolling it out in, in, in a company or getting started to go through a compliance uh, audit of, of any nature. The companies that were better communicating internally, uh, meaning that they, they knew the thing was coming, they knew the audit was coming, they knew who was going to provide what type of information and how it's going to be delivered, when it was going to be reported on, and that back and forth that, that you know, kind of dominates the whole entire process of compliance um it, the more ready that the company is to provide that information the, the quicker that whole entire process would be um you know typically that's the way that, that we've seen it as well so i would add um you know the more prepared uh the company is internally um you know structurally uh the the less you know time consuming and painful that whole entire process might be i would just add jim too and uh, i know uh, we'll move on to the next question here but um, you know what what we're seeing is there's been a you know we talked earlier in the in the podcast about you know the adoption of socks in 2002 and PCI in, in 04 and how, how those those frameworks have evolved well there's been a real maturity uh, driven through that I mean we're you know 20 years now uh, of being compliant in those spaces so in some cases like you know areas like our, our Microsoft back office you know pre-cloud our server base, um, or our, you know, our network technologies, uh, patching, patch management, uh, password required changes, seg- segregation of duties uh, for uh, for support staff. You know, people only having access to what they need in their job function. There's been a real maturity uh, in that area. Uh, not saying there's still not gaps and that you can't find uh, those those kind of those gaps in your compliance, but for the most part, those areas have have really uh, matured. Um, mm-hmm. We're now seeing the playing field expand in terms of where compliance falls. Uh, traditionally, uh, historically, we haven't seen, uh, you know, environmental control systems or technologies like elevators and escalators, and uh, who knows, maybe you have some IoT sensors out in your out in your field or uh, or within your business. So, you know, we're seeing kind of those. Uh, non-traditional IT focus areas now falling into uh, the need for compliance. And that's that's really shifting things and expanding. But at the same time, it's making us more secure and uh, mitigating uh, risks. Uh, Certainly, though, there's a reason why we do annual and semi-annual certifications on compliance frameworks. So it's an Mm -hmm. ongoing iterative process that never stops. And the day after an audit is the day you should be starting again for the, and preparing for the right. next one uh, so right. it's about being more proactive now and and less reactive i've personally had to walk in and tell a, a cio that you know the day before the board meeting that hey we missed some controls and we're non-compliant so no one wants right. to be in that place and it's about shifting to that proactive way of doing things right thanks thanks for that extra bit sure appreciate that um so what companies are most likely 
to have to adhere to compliance standards and and why would this be financial energy medical oil and gas what are your thoughts there yeah i mean it's all of the above um you know i think to some extent uh, all companies have some level of of uh, compliance adherence that they have to meet um we've already talked about pci and payment card requirements um you know a lot of times uh, it's sector specific uh it can be federally regulated i mean well, we've all just kind of gone through the pandemic here in in in, in our country of canada and um, you know, there's there's now federal uh, regulatory requirements on on companies like transportation, like telecommunications, healthcare, uh, as well. So as well as finance. So which you've touched on all of those. Energy infrastructure has become uh, uh, a big one. I mean, we saw the impact to the markets when uh, colonial the colonial breach did occur, and so. Um, Really, I, I would say all of the above. Uh, in some shape or form, most businesses that accept payment, whether it's online, via credit card, publicly traded uh, companies or private companies with, with consumer data, uh, all of us have to, in some shape or form, adhere to compliance standards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so how, so how does a, a company determine what security compliance standard they should consider attaining? Is there a place that they would go? Is there some advice that they could, you know, um, gather from, from some place? I mean, outside of the obvious, I'm a financial institute. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at yeah, Sarbanes, sure. you know, how do you determine that? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And uh, it's all very organization specific on, on what the answer is. Um, we mentioned earlier that you know you could have two or three different compliance frameworks uh, that you have to adhere to. So uh, some of those are dictated or mandated. Uh, others are self-choice. Some of our customers, for example, uh, particularly around uh, you know the choice between ISO or NIST uh, or uh, you know, some of the other uh, frameworks, uh, TSS, are self uh, self-anointed. And so it's really about kind of aligning within the business, ensuring that the framework that you're selecting kind of fits in in the right space within your company culture and and meets the requirements of of the output of 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 what you're trying to achieve through that compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not really a simple answer. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies. Uh, we both uh, are, are participants in in that part of the the business where. You know, we consult to uh, our clients and can assist with that. Uh, a lot of times the big, uh, you know, the big accounting firms as well, the big four, as they call them, mm-hmm. have been uh, have been very active in helping companies with their whole stra- strategy and, and which frameworks to go. But we've, we definitely have seen a maturity in in organizations. A lot of companies now have a chief uh, information security officer, a CISO. Um, yes. We're dealing with more and more directors and managers of security and governance and compliance. Uh, so a lot of these stakeholders would all have input. I think it's sector driven, uh, regulatory driven, but also culturally driven. And then within the organization, um, you know, what what really makes the most sense for the for the firm? Got it. Um, Got it. Yeah, I, I do know several companies that have kind of. Uh, they have to follow SOX or PCI, but they've also adopted uh, a framework of their choice. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's may change. I mean, that may shift as well. Uh, some of these, uh, as we continue to see breaches and and uh, infrastructure being compromised, 
Um, there may we may see the government mandating more and more. We've already spoke of how the insurance industry has started to do so as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So next question for you. Um, once the companies decide, okay, well, it looks like we need to become compliant, whether they're forced into it, whether it's elective or, or other, um, where do they turn? Like, uh, how do they access or research companies that can assist them with the process and, and ultimately certification? Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, you know, for the most part, uh, and again, you and I, uh, we both have customer bases within the within that industry. Uh, there's other uh, other organizations and service providers out there. Um, it's really become a, a, a more uh, evolving uh, sector, if you will. Uh, when I speak to governance and compliance, I'm referring to cybersecurity as well. Uh, we do know that there's a real gap in terms of uh, job fulfillment globally uh, around that. So we think that the momentum is going to continue more and more. Uh, people are going to become educated uh, in this space, uh, more and more professionals with experience. Um, but, you know, we're, we all have our, our large vendors. And, you know, if you've been on LinkedIn lately or, um, you know, you're reading online, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of different kind of industry resources out there and available in terms of different products. Uh, our traditional vendors have taken a very strong, uh, strong approach within the cybersecurity world and ensuring they're up, updating their tech and, and meeting compliance requirements. Uh, we spoke about audit, the audit uh, industry and sector as well with the big four. Uh, there is no shortage of, of resources out there to help uh, uh, reach a, a, a way to move their frameworks forward, to land on a framework and achieve compliance. Uh, they could certainly call you and I, <laughs> either one of us, and we would, uh, collaborate on that. Uh, but yep. uh, yeah, there's no shortage of resources out there. Um, there's a lot of good uh, industry uh, uh, organizations. I personally, uh, I work uh, with, I you know, register with the SANS uh, mm-hmm. industry. So uh, SANS has uh, really been a strong uh a strong proponent within the cybersecurity uh, world and, and compliance world. And so very well connected in, in terms of training and certifying professionals. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of options out there. All right. Great. All right. So the next question is uh, a lot of companies for many companies, cost is uh, a prohibiting factor. And many are probably wondering if achieving a compliance can be done in-house. In other words, DIY their own compliance and preparation and process. Uh, is this possible and would you recommend it or advise against it? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, again, every organization is different, different cultures, uh, just in terms of structure. Um, personally, been involved in, uh, in DIY compliance where, you know, you're working with different uh, departments within an organization and they have opposing priorities or, or strategic objectives. And so that can come into conflict with, uh, with the, the compliance program. Uh, I've seen that more often than not. Um, you know, I would definitely, uh, you know, if, if I was on the other side of the table now, uh, working with an enterprise to achieve compliance, I would seek out a partner, uh, seek out a trusted source uh, in that space. Uh, it kind of, it's tied a bit back to the, the previous question around uh, you know, kind of who uh, who can who can they help who can help them where do they turn 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, within the industry, we're seeing more and more si- uh, security certifications with, you know, uh, CISSP, so certified industry security specialists, and uh, there's a number of different uh, other certifications out there. So, you know, if you look into that, you can kind of roll that back and, and, and usually tie that into an organization, a service provider, a partner, again, companies like yours and, our, uh, and ours um, that, uh, that offer that and can can help that help with that. Um, I personally think the answer is it, it again, it's dependent on the company, the organization, the culture. Um, some companies go for outsourcing or others go for insourcing. I think it's it makes a lot of sense though to kind of navigate the complex world of compliance to, to kind of work with uh, someone who's done this before and mm-hmm. can come in and kind of cut through some of the, you know, well, do we need to uh, go very bureaucratic or or help kind of find that middle ground of what makes the most sense. Uh, experience goes a long way in that, and you can spend a lot of time uh, overthinking and, and underthinking actually uh, uh, the level uh, of the, the frameworks that you're looking to implement. So, um, yeah, I think uh, seeking out a partner is highly recommended, and uh, you know that's the way that I would personally go uh, if I was on on that side of the the table. Okay, good advice. Uh, so we're rolling into our last couple questions here, Stuart. Uh, what role in security does compliance play in the future of IT? Yeah, wow. Um, wow, you got you got some good questions here, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I'm a thinking man. Yeah, thinking <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, so you know we're seeing it, and uh, you know in all aspects of technology, whether it's product driven whether it's uh, services driven, um, you know, compliance is, is really, um, we mentioned the term table stakes earlier, it is foundational to everything we're doing. I mean, our privacy means so much to all of us now um, in terms of data, there's the, the financial security, uh, the risk to a potential uh, uh, invest infrastructure, uh, whether regardless of what sector that's in, uh, so I, I really think that it's uh, it's come a long way over the years, and it is front and center. It's uh, it's really uh, an absolute uh, uh, necessity, and uh, should be uh, a, a huge part of of everything we're doing. Um, you know, previously, and and uh, maybe in one of the previous questions, we mentioned that you know in the old days, uh, security measures were bolted on after the the, pro- the tech project was de- deployed or or launched uh, then we'd go back and try to figure out how to make it secure um, it, I think it's the shift of starting out in a place of of that security and privacy uh, and ensuring those uh, compliance uh, frameworks are are basically uh, linked to absolutely everything we're doing as we're delivering new technology as we're adapting, uh, you know, new cloud. I mean, this applies really uh, as well, which we haven't really touched on. A lot of the cloud service providers today, compliance is a is a is a big foundation of what they offer. So, you know, companies like uh, Amazon, AWS uh, has a big play in compliance with their products, and Azure does as with Microsoft as well. So, we're seeing it more and more as kind of being a feature, a foundational feature set of products, and. Uh, the other thing is, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about the insurance industry. We've, we've addressed enforcement and penalties, and we only think that that's going to become more and more. There's going to be more teeth put in as more mm-hmm. and more 
deaths occur, the risk profiles get higher. Uh, there's a lot at stake here in terms of um, you know, protecting uh, our consumers, the businesses we work with. And so that uh, that side of it is going to continue to evolve as well. We talked about the insurance uh, requirements earlier. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a, a multi-pronged approach to uh, really uh, ensuring that the rigor and and kind of like, Jim, I think to it, like kind of like health and safety was 20 mm-hmm. years ago, you know, back in the day, uh, health and safety wasn't really kind of uh, a real uh, concern. And and now if you've, if you've ever visited a construction site or walked by one or you can really see it kind of, it's really core to what they're doing in, in terms of that industry. And I think that, you know, that's where uh, compliance is going to play a similar uh, approach uh, in terms of uh, uh, technology and data and privacy, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, I, total sense. Yeah, I completely agree, Stuart. Uh, you know, in the last 21 years, we've gone, you know, from as you just described it, you know, companies building their internet presence, like, oh, right, security, right, yeah. let's go back and and think about that, and and that still happens today, more often than not, and I believe that, you know, let's say if there were 10, you know, customers, client clients of of ours that you know, process for a security need, uh, I would say without a doubt, ha- at least half of them are coming to see us because there is some sort of compliance standard that they need to start either considering to follow or they must follow or something. So that that's definitely a driving force uh, in the security space, as well as you you mentioned insurance and, and you know, other certifications, it's all going to become uh, all important. Um, I, I have a, a prediction for the future that kind of goes like this, you know, if you don't, uh, if you're operating in a company and you're, you're, you know, transmitting, you're storing, saving data of, of virtually any nature, if you can't, you know, provide some sort of obvious proactive plan, whether it be an audit, regular, you know, recurring security, something or other, uh, then likely you're going to be heavily regulated or limited in your ability to conduct business on the internet. I just see that coming. Um, it has to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so the last question, and I ask every single one of the people that um, I interview, um, I'd like to ask you, what does the future of security look like to you? Is it getting more challenging? Is technology going to save the day? Is there a silver bullet coming available to us? Are there enough qualified people to handle the challenge, et cetera? I know that's a lot to chew on, but I'd like to know everyone's perspective on that because I have my own. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, again, uh, great last question. I wouldn't expect any less of you. Uh, the future of security. Well, um, you know, I think uh, so far we as consumers, when I say consumer, I mean, as we go about our day to day lives, we've kind of almost kind of been off the hook a little bit in terms of security. Uh, we're all consumers of different products, whether that's social media or banking technology. Um, you know, on my phone, I have personally, I don't know, 40 or 50 apps. And it, historically, we've let the, the, uh, the, the creators of those apps and, and those services that we consume be responsible for that security. And I, I really do think there's going to be more of a shift to our own, uh, you know, understanding the, uh, the complexities of where our data is, who we're dealing with. Uh, are they meeting levels of compliance? I think these things are going to kind of come go from behind the scenes and you know in the in the old days we call it the back office so 
you know, the back office systems would have some levels of compliance, but nobody would really know what they what they were or what was going on behind the curtain. So, you know, I think uh, us as consumers uh, are going to have to kind of take a bit more of a, an important role in that and understanding, um, you know, who's doing what and how they're doing it and what level of compliance they're doing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's one thing. It is definitely getting more challenging. I don't expect that to uh, to change anytime soon. I mean, bad threat actors are becoming more and more sophisticated. Um, you know, it's not just uh, misspelled phishing emails anymore in our inboxes. Um, you know, people are uh, are doing some pretty bad things in terms of uh, uh, activities that uh, you know compromise networks. And we have countries, and and we have um, you know, large groups of hackers trying to find ways to compromise uh, all kinds of different things. So, you know, I don't think it's going to change. I think it's just going to continue to evolve. I think our our technology, our, our vendor uh, technology communities are all going to have a very important part of that. Uh, uh, certainly organizations like yours and mine. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't see uh, enough uh, qualified people right now to handle those challenges. But mm. well, there's definitely... Uh, I saw a local uh, community college here has a cybersecurity certification program that I wasn't aware of, um, and I saw an advertisement for that. So I think we're going to start to see a lot more younger people, uh, you know, kind of like back in the day, uh, you know, becoming a developer or becoming a network uh, analyst. Uh, you know, some of those certifications are going to are going to really get a lot of attention of younger younger folks trying to get into tech and. You know, I, I'm I'm excited to to see that wave come and and how that uh, can help support our industry, um, make our uh, our posture greater and uh, and certainly meet the challenges of the of the day. Um, there's definitely a lot of them there. Right on, right. Well, Stuart, thank you. you we've covered a, a topic that's uh, pretty complex. Um, you know, in what are we at? 53 minutes here. Um, you know, hard to scratch the surface by, uh, you know, any stretch of the imagination, but the information that we've, you know, gained from you is, is super invaluable. Thank you very much for that. Um, I definitely encourage any of our listeners to contact you directly or us. Um, you know, we, we're partners, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in IT and, and uh, love working with you. Um, you have a wealth of knowledge and, you know, I come from, from great stock, so to speak. And, you know, which reminds me, uh, I'd love to, you know, have you back again, and and perhaps we can talk about uh, your new, you know, hit to call it a side venture. You're not parting from Keyworks, but you're just taking on maybe a new a new shape, new direction, which sounds extremely exciting and positive. So I'd like to have you back in the future to talk about that as it relates to security, if we can. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, we'll have you back anyway, even if we're just talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Uh, I really do appreciate you having me on the podcast here today. And uh, no, I uh, would love to come back and share uh, kind of what we're looking at in the future in terms of our new uh, our new initiative in Blues Point. And uh, it's real exciting. So, yeah, we're uh, we're real keen to come back uh, and uh, do this again. So thank you so much, uh, Jim, for, right. for having me. You're very welcome, Stuart. Until next time. Bye okay. for now.